welcome back to the podcast. Thank you uh, for joining us again. Um, I hope you enjoyed those of you who watched the video podcast for the first time uh, last week, uh, having that version of it. I do have an apology to make to those of you who listened to the audio version, the initial file that was uploaded. I think you only got like the first five minutes or something. So I apologize for that. The, the full episode is uploaded. Um, so if you missed that and you want to go back and check that out, uh, please do. So I'm joined this week by George Crowder. Say hello, George. Hello. hello. Hi. So George, um, tell us where you are in the country and uh, where you are in your socially distanced isolation uh, that we're all in at the moment. I'm not sure what you mean by the second question. I, I'm in Winsford, uh, which is a little town in Cheshire, I guess a little bit north of Chester. It's an old salt town, um, and uh, I'm in a church called St John's Over, which is one of three Anglican parishes in Winsford. I've been here for a, a while, nine years, uh, as a vicar, uh, just a noble parish vicar, doing a parish vicar sort of job um, in these strange times. Where, where I am in, in lockdown is like everybody else, trying to work out what on earth to do. But you're not, <laughs> you're not locked down on your own at home, are you? No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm married to Kath and we have four children. And they're, they're all children who are still at home being homeschooled by you at the moment? Yeah, uh, that's the thing I guess people who've got children at home immediately want to talk about because <laughs> it's a big change. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't think we're thinking it that negative uh, there's been some positives i mean it's 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 difficult because uh, uh, our children can have little meltdowns with us in the way that they can't have with their teachers at school so, just give us give us an idea sorry how old your children are what what sort of stage are you dealing with so we have one in sixth form two in secondary school and one in primary school okay so quite a range yeah <laughs> um, yeah uh, the teachers uh, and, and other parents will share this. That they're, they're doing a great job in supplying material every day. Uh, and there's usually a weekly contact call as well, just to check everything's right. okay. Uh, and the, le- the rest is left to, to the children and to us. The, the sixth form is a self-starter anyway, so she's doing great. <laughs> I'm probably working a bit too hard, to be honest. And then my, my wife, we have an advantage, really, because we, we, my wife is a professional teacher uh, uh, and we have a garden the size of a small park. Yeah. So the, the children are able to to kind of operate in, a, in, a, in an environment which is really positive for them. And, and it is amazing, are... isn't it? We've, we've had such great weather. I do think all of this would have been so much harder if it had been sort of November and, and raining and yeah. cold and miserable. <laughs> Yeah, there's some you know, there's some providence there, <laughs> um, and and because we get all the material like, and and Kath's able to teach it, it's 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 positive for them, um, mm-hmm. and we are in complete control of the ethos of of the educational environment, which is actually another positive, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so this is one of the things that that I wanted us to to think about. I mean, you know, some some people will have thought about homeschooling and. Uh, some people may even have considered doing it with their own children and then uh, decided not to but suddenly found themselves in this situation where Mm -hmm. where actually it's forced upon them some will never have thought about uh, homeschooling at all before and and again suddenly be having to do that 
what why you say there are some positives about this and in terms of particularly having control of the ethos of what's going on just explain why that's something that that might be interesting for for christian parents in particular to be thinking about with respect to their children both now but also more generally well i, I think uh, we'll have all noticed in, in in the education system uh that that a certain agenda is is, is advancing uh, to do with um, human sexuality and gender. Uh, we've, we've got some regulations that are, I think are coming in in September, but preempting that, depending on the head teacher of your school, um, th there's been m moves to try and have this sort of more liberal agenda uh, and to, I guess the best way of putting it, encourage children to think about their identity while they're still at primary school. Yeah. Uh, uh, decisions I, I don't believe they're equipped to make, but allowing them to explore gender identity and sexuality at a very early age and, and giving them various models for that. Uh, yes. Of... It, well, it's it, one of the things I think is, is very frightening to me, really, is children who are not yet sexual at all being encouraged to think about their sexuality. And actually, you know, when you're at the age where the idea of kissing another person is just, ew, ew, <laughs> you're not yet sexual at all. What, why would you need to think about your own sexuality in any way at all? So, so the idea that some of this is happening at such an early age mm -hmm. is really worrying. And there was a really interesting thing, wasn't there, last week? So Liz Truss, who I believe is the new Minister for Equalities or something, I forget the exact title. She made a statement um, setting out her agenda in that role. And one of the things I thought was very interesting was right at the end, she made a comment, which actually I've got here because I thought it's so interesting because she didn't have to talk about this at all. Mm -hmm. So she's talking a little bit about the Gender Recognition Act, which is the thing that's coming in. But then she says right at the end, which is not a direct issue concerning the Gender Recognition Act, but making sure that under 18s are protected from decisions they could make that are irreversible in the future. Mm. I strongly believe that adults should have the freedom to lead their lives as they see fit. But I think it's very important that while people are still developing their decision-making capabilities, that we protect them from making those irreversible decisions. Mm. And that, I think, is particularly speaking into the issue of transgender, isn't it? There, are, mm. there is a, a strong campaigning body for children as they're young children going through puberty, becoming teenagers, to be doing things like uh, taking hormone blockers and even going for gender reassignment surgery. And as she says, some of those are decisions that have an irreversible impact on your body and your health going forward. And I thought it was really interesting that she felt that she wanted to make that statement now. Mm. Um, you know, she's not making a new law, she's not making new policy, it's not particularly relevant to the Gender Recognition Act that she's talking about, but that she wants to say that. And I do think there is pushback on some of this, isn't there, from people yeah. who are not Christian, saying, actually, what are we doing to our children? Yeah, I, I, just in terms of school context, as a school mm. governor, I think there are two useful perspectives. Um, whatever the relationship um, uh, regulations that are coming out, the new relationship uh, curriculum that's coming out on sept in September is, this is entirely dependent on the will of a head teacher. Uh, and and you'll hear cases of, in one of my brother's schools where the head teacher is really forcing this agenda uh, in, in the school, the primary school I'm associated with, 
the head teacher is very much on board with Christian ethos, but is under and the second thing is under huge pressure from Ofsted, mm. and and Ofsted have huge have an incredible amount of power with with schools, especially over head teachers, because they want to get their good status, uh, and and if they're looking for particular things, then the head teachers will do anything to provide mm. them and that's so a head teacher is, tr is trying to hold a, a line on a christian ethos is having to give way and compromise in various ways all of the time because whatever the regulations might say ofsted are already yeah. putting pressure uh, as christian parents we, we may feel helpless uh, and certainly we did uh, now I, I we had considered homeschooling before and decided that sounds too hard uh, and uh, and, and then my brother, my other brother, they, they do it. He has five children and they homeschool and they're in a homeschool network, a Christian homeschool network, uh, and they swear by it. They think it's great. I always thought, no, no, it's a bit, a bit too much for us. That but The thing I think this has forced us to think about is, hmm, we could do this uh, if it came to it. Mm. Uh, and and I think that's just a little thing to, to think about, mm. it, it, it is that it, it is possible and, and, it, and if the education system becomes such that that it's it's mm. it's untenable to Christians, because because I mean you know, I think that the reason why they want to do it in primary schools is because at that age children uh, only learn one way, mm. and that's concrete. You know, we we talk about indoctrinating children. Well, there is no other way. Whatever you tell them, they just take as concrete fact. Mm. Uh, they are indoctrinated by whatever information comes in. And if you get in early enough, then you can change their minds for life almost. Mm -hmm. There was a good will for that. I wanted to stop prejudice and to stop, you know, the sort of problems that we've seen socially. Uh, but uh, like you say, there's, some, there's a bridge too far, uh, especially with transgender uh, that people are starting to see. Yes. So I just, well, I think it's interesting then, isn't it, just to see this potentially as an opportunity for Christians to A, um, have more direct involvement in their children's education and just get a sense of what their children are learning, what sort of things their school are doing. Some schools are still doing, for example, school assemblies and uh, parents can watch those and, and, you know, just get a sense of that. Also then to, to get a sense of having a little trial run of, well, what would it be like if we were to think about educating our children at home? And, and people might say, well, but you, you know, it's different because the school are providing all the materials. But actually, the reality is homeschoolers are not writing all of their own materials no. and starting their curriculum from scratch. You would get worksheets and videos and homeschool meetings and so on. So there's a, a sort of practical, actually, try and see how it works. But also then just to be alert to thinking what might be coming, how might things be changing in our schools and as Christian parents to be thinking well what could I do to encourage my head teacher uh, to help them and, and support them but also to be aware of what my children might be exposed to at school and do I really want that um, mm. as we go forward interesting time um, let's move on but but it's an interesting thing to think about which has been really brought to the fore in a new way at the moment and I guess the, the next thing I wanted to, to just talk about is a similar question really and that is about the NHS <laughs> so obviously we, we all love the NHS we do all love the NHS um, in, in all kinds of ways 
and um I mean, I sort of live out in the middle of nowhere, so I've not really been going out and, and clapping on Thursday nights for the NHS. But lots of people have been doing that. There's been a huge outpouring of, of love and support. You know, Tom Brown raising his millions and millions for the NHS and so on. Um, are there any concerns that we should have, do you think, George, about the way people view the NHS at the moment? It's interesting. There was an article in The Guardian about mm. this uh, that... Uh, that the concern that by calling uh, people who work for the NHS saints uh, and angels uh, puts so much pressure on them yeah. <laughs> that they they will feel that they can never quite live up to the to, to the uh, the view people have of them. Uh, so that recently, it's also been in in Church of England newspaper a similar sort of mm. article. Uh, are we putting NHS in the place of God illegitimately? Um, so that, that's been doing the rounds a little bit. I, I found that very interesting. Uh, mm. Certainly a reflection that uh, in, in previous crises, uh, it, it, certainly in living memory, uh, people have looked to God. Uh, and in this one, people are looking to the NHS. Uh, and uh, people have noticed um, a certain ritualism about it even, you know, the Thursday night clap and, uh, and, that, and that sort of thing that people are from the rainbow posters up. I'm quite happy actually about rainbows being used. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, they're sort of reclaiming <laughs> the rainbow a little bit. Has been it's quite a, it's a good. good it's thing. a positive uh, yeah. Christian symbol of, of hoping God's promises and, and hoping God's mercy. Uh, so I, I like that and I think we want to really yeah. go with that. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not wanting to say, to, I mean, some of these articles are quite negative. I don't think we need to get that negative about it. Start calling people down the banks, or, you know, stop venerating the NHS, because the NHS do need our support. It's just that God is our hope, not the NHS. Yes. And so I've been putting a little post around to our church family that says, prayer for carers rather than clap for carers. You know, we, we, we're praying for them. Yes. Uh, and God is our hope. Uh, and use the same rainbow symbol. Yeah. Uh, and I think just that tiny tweak, uh, I think is really helpful. Um, uh, because I live on a street with people who do come out and clap, that gives me a little opportunity. Uh, so I stick a microphone at the end of my drive and I say a prayer. Uh, that's gone down really well. Uh, I sing a song. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Good. Uh, but, but, but as Christians, I think we can just do that little change of emphasis and yeah. i think it's positively received by the public and the nhs and all carers and all key workers that we are praying for them but yeah. god is our hope i think that's right i think it's really helpful to be able to at the same time recognize that people are working really hard doing incredible things being very brave serving all of us in that kind of way but at the same time they're not our hope and also they're not perfect and they don't have to be and the NHS as a whole is not above criticism I, I think they're doing a, a great job at the moment but you know there will be things that people get wrong and that's okay they're people and and they will get things wrong and um, there's something I think quite worrying for me for for Christians I mean I think it's interesting how society as a whole responds and that distinction in previous generations that people might have turned to God much more. But I slightly worry, even among Christians, that our hope, that for some people at least, I'm seeing in some places, a, 
uh, a sort of so much focus on the sort of immediate crisis rather than an eternal perspective. Mm. Um, and I think that's something we need to be saying as Christians again and again. And there's a chap actually in, in my church who recently was diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, it's a problematic time, obviously, to have a diagnosis and all sorts of stuff. And he's been sending around a weekly email. And it's so encouraging. And he just says, the thing is, people keep asking how I am. And the answer is, I'm fine. Either I'm fine and I'm going to go and be with the Lord, or I'm fine and, and there'll be treatment and I'll live for, for a while. But either way, I'm fine. And I, I do think that's a message that as Christians, we need to keep saying to people, you're fine. God's still in control. He's the one who will look after you. What, whatever happens, whether you get ill or not, um, whether that illness becomes serious or not, um, he has your eternal future. And that's more important. Um, so I really like that prayer for the NHS, prayer for carers. I think maybe that's something we could all do a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and more I, I think it is good in our personal witness as Christians mm -hmm. to just demonstrate a, a tangible hold on eternal hope. Yeah. Uh, to just to let that kind of, kind of breathe out from us. Because although, you know, the, the, the way people look to the NHS has demonstrated a certain sense of secularised uh, public opinion. I still think there are opportunities, spiritual opportunities here. Uh, people, people are more mm. sensitive spiritually. Yeah, uh, and I, and I think we can reach into that. Yeah, I agree. Good. Um, so George, uh, you're on lockdown at home, getting on trying to do stuff in the parish like like everyone else. But you are also regional director uh, of Church Society in the the sort of north in the the North Midlands. Uh, is any of that going on? Are you able to make contact with, with regional groups? Are people encouraging each other um, through this time? What's going on there? Well, I'm trying to make contact with regional groups. Uh, the main thing I'm trying to do is encourage them to meet on Zoom and pray with each other. Uh, I, I've managed to do that in my local group uh, just for half an hour, three quarters of an hour every week. Um, Again, it's trying to look for the positive opportunities here. Uh, we are in a, a, a unique, unprecedented time, and therefore we're all at a loss half the time what, what yeah. we're doing. So it's very good to share that. Yeah. And what I've thought of doing, somebody else might not have thought of doing, and what somebody else has thought of doing, I might not have realised. Mm -hmm. And also to share pastoral wisdom. I found that incredibly useful. And so it's a time for building relationships. Um, you know, in, in, in isolation, we could become more individualistic. And in a sense, we, we are. But also, uh, because we lament the, the kind of gathering that we might do, it's positively encouraging us to think uh, in a more community-minded way. And I think we should do that in, in church partnerships and in the regional groups. I think it's an opportunity. If, you know, that a little half-hour prayer gathering every week could really build relationships, build up uh, shared knowledge about church situations uh, and strengthen uh, the groups. And I, and I uh, as a regional director, my main goal is to strengthen regional groups mm. uh, because that is going to be our best uh, position for anything that happens in the future. If things go really wrong uh, uh, and we need to stand together, then we will stand together much better if we know one another and trust one another and pray together. 
mm. if we need to move together and do something different and maybe even radical then we need a relationship so it's a, it's a good time to build those relationships to understand our situations so i really wanted to encourage that I, i've spoken to a a number of regional leaders one-to-one. Uh, -one. I've not yet managed to get a group <laughs> to meet together, but I, 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 this is a, please do try and organise that. I know life is twice as busy. Everything takes twice as long yeah. uh, digitally. You uh, get that. <laughs> yeah, really... and there's, there's research, isn't there, on how Zoom meetings are exhausting and all of yeah. that kind of stuff. So, you know, there might be other ways of doing it. I mean, a, a regular Zoom meeting might be a great thing, it might be like a WhatsApp prayer list that you have mm -hmm. among the leaders of the, uh, you know, in your in your regional group or, um, you know, there might be some other uh, way that's appropriate to do that. But I think that's right. It'd be really great if people are actually reaching out, encouraging each other, supporting each other, praying for each other, sharing wisdom. You know, we're all having to deal with situations we've never dealt with before. People are having to do funeral visits over the phone that they would never have done that oh, way yeah. before or, um you know deal with people who are very unwell that you can't go and visit and just to be able to share wisdom on, yeah. on what's worked well and what you know what you're struggling with and so on really helpful if people could be uh, getting in touch with each other and and sharing some of those things great just as we finish i think I'd, i want to try and make this a regular thing on the podcast but um i might i might not we'll see how it goes um i i'd love just to hear any recommendations you have george of things you've been encouraged by, things you found helpful, things you've come across in the last couple of weeks that you think, yeah, I'd love other people to know about that. And then I also have one or two that I'm going to share as well in a moment. Well, I've enjoyed this book. This is uh, by Zach Eswine. It's called The Imperfect Pastor, Discovering Brilliant. Joy in Our Limitations Through Daily Apprenticeship with Jesus. And, uh, you know, it just, it just catalogues all the things that went wrong and says how he learned from them. Right. Uh, so I think that's a nice perspective it's it's very honest and, and quite raw sometimes uh, but i found that very encouraging i i've noticed that on the radio and in various other formats people have been turning to poetry uh you know you've got these broadcasters reading bits of their favorite poems usually short extracts um i found the um the psalms of ascents that psalm 120 onwards really just just very uplifting very short psalms, they're, they're, they're pilgrimage psalms. Some of them are set in, you know, in a very difficult situation. Some of them are, are kind of close to the, the glory of Jerusalem. Uh, and I found them uplifting, uh, just to help each day. Uh, and finally, uh, I'm more of an extrovert, so I like to chat to people. But uh, I have, a, like all of us, probably got a little, account a little accountability group. I meet with them for half an hour every week as well. I used to only meet with them three times a year and, um, and we, we have a chat and a pray uh, and I found that personally yeah. that quite a good thing. Great, great, thank you. Um, uh, I will put notes about that in the uh, sort of notes that go with the podcast. I, I'm also going to recommend actually some poetry. Um, so I, I definitely uh, commend to you the Psalms of Ascent, uh, but I also want to have a little shout out for Mark Menel, who has been uh, producing a little video series called Echoes from Eternity, uh, in which he introduces and reads various Christian poetry. And I haven't watched all of them, but the ones that I have caught, I've just found 
just delightful, really. Um, there was a, a wonderful one last week uh, with several Gerald Manley Hopkins poems uh, that he filmed outside in, in Amongst the Spring. Um, so, yeah, so I would commend those to you um, as something worth listening to. And the other thing I, I want to mention, which kind of um, relates to the kind of things we've been talking about in terms of um, needing to keep connection with community and actually one of the things that our isolation is doing is showing us how much we need that um so my church yesterday we had uh in our facebook uh service a call to worship which was a video montage of i think nearly 80 people from our church had recorded you know some of them in family groups and some individually little bit little sections of it that were then put together and just as it was a call to worship, but also just an expression of who we are as church and that that's never really been about the building and that that's still um, a thing. And I would put a little link to it because I think even if you're not from my church, it's really worth watching. Um, but also as an encouragement, maybe if you're thinking about how do we do um, community building within our church, maybe that's a thing that you could also think about doing something similar. It was really, I mean, I was crying and it was really powerful just to see everybody and, and in that expression of being church together. So great. Well, thank you, George, for joining us. I have no idea who's on my list uh, to be on the podcast next week, but we'll be back uh, talking more about uh, what's been going on in the world. I, I imagine we'll still be talking about coronavirus, but there may be other things as well. Um, so if you have ideas of things that you'd like us to chat about, then do leave a comment or email me ros at churchsociety.org and we'll be back next week. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs>